0: This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. And um, if I've not met you before, my name is Bryony and I'm married to Pete and um, we're part of the leadership here at Life Church. And um, this morning we're going to kind of draw to a close our current teaching series. And this series over the last few weeks has been called The Process of Transformation. And if you've been around much in 2017, you'll know that this is part of kind of a wider theme and a wider vision of what we have for this year as a church community. And that's summed up in our hashtag, Transforming 2017. And for us, our hope and our prayer and what we're looking at and working towards is that this year, that transformation would take place in us and therefore through us. And so this morning, as we draw to a close, this part of that, Overall theme, theme, the process of transformation. I want to talk this morning about transformation with the end in mind. About transformation with the end in mind. Because I don't know if you've ever found yourself asking the question, Where is this going? I wonder perhaps if you've ever been on a journey to somewhere you've not been to before and you're trusting the trusty SatNav. And it says, Please turn left down this tiny country lane that leads to nowhere. And you know you're not going to nowhere, but you trust it, because that's what we do. And you're halfway down, and you start to ask yourself the question, where is this going? Where is this headed? Perhaps you've done that. Maybe you've been watching a film, and you've worked out the plot. You know what is going to happen, and then the filmmakers throw you a curveball. One of those horrible curveballs, like when they kill off the hero just before he's about to declare his undying love to the heroine. I don't like those films. I don't like those films. And, um, and you find yourself asking the question, what's the end of the story? Where is this going? Where is this headed? What's next? Maybe in a relationship that you've been in, you've had a moment where you ask yourself the question, where is this going? Maybe that's a good question or maybe not. I remember... Um, A number of years ago, before my husband Pete and I started dating, and um, he's not in, he's in Life Kids right now, so I can say whatever I like, (laughs) the power, (laughs) and um, it reflects well on him, it's all right. I remember we were hanging out with some friends of ours on a Friday evening, and at this point I definitely liked him, and I didn't know if those feelings were reciprocated, and we spent this Friday evening with a group of friends, there was about five of us, And it got to 10 o'clock at night, and um, we decided to go out. And so we got ready, and we jumped in the car, and we drove down the road, and we went to Asda, because what else do you do at 10 o'clock on a Friday night? And we decided to um, get some snacks, and everyone went off on their own direction, and we kind of congregated back at the till. And I remember Pete bought three Cadbury's cream eggs, and that was three Cadbury's cream eggs for a pound. Do you remember when that was a bargain? None of this two-for-a-pound stuff they try and tell us is a bargain. And um, I have a deep affection for Cadbury's cream eggs. And um, what he did after he'd paid for them is he said to the group, does anyone want a cream egg? And two people in the group said yes. And I thought, oh, bless him. He's bought three, and he's only got one left. If I'd bought three, I would have eaten all three. (laughs) And so he he just had this one one left, and then came the moment. And he turned to me, and he said, would you like a Cadbury's? Cream egg, and I heard the wedding bells. (laughs) I heard them over the tannoy in the supermarket, and it was because I mean it wasn't a Rolo. It was better than a Rolo. It was his last Cadbury's cream egg, and I said no because I wanted him to have one of the three that he'd bought. But that was the moment I thought, hang on a sec, where is this going? Is this is this headed to our happily ever after? But I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where perhaps you've asked those kind of questions. Where is this going? Where's this headed? What's the end of the story? What's next? Perhaps, like me, as you've watched the news unfold this week, you've asked that question where's this going? Where's it headed? What's next? Perhaps as you study the Bible and as you read history and as you listen to the politicians and the scientists, you ask this bigger question of where is this all going? Human history, planet Earth, what's the end of the story? Well, the good news for us this morning is that the New Testament paints for us a picture of the future. It paints for us a picture of the future. And this picture is less like this and more like this. It's a picture not of infinite detail, but it's a picture that is created with broad brush strokes. It's a picture not that asks, answers all of our questions, but it's a picture of broad brush strokes. The kind of picture that somehow grips you, the kind of picture that captivates you, that is compelling, that kind of draws you in, that makes you ask some more questions. And the New Testament paints for us a picture of the future that is not of infinite detail, answering all of our questions But it's a captivating picture nonetheless. It's like a picture that's painted with broad brushstrokes. It's a picture of hope. And it's a picture of transformation. And it's a picture of restoration. And the writer of 1 John, a book we find in the New Testament, he picks up his paintbrush As he writes these words and he adds his broad brushstrokes to the picture. In chapter 3, verse 2 to 3, when he writes this. Dear friends, now we are children of God. That is good news. Now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. He says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. He is the writer of John's contribution to this picture of the future that the New Testament paints. He says, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The writer describes this future moment when Jesus Christ appears in fullness. This moment where the presence of Jesus himself is with us Fully, not just in spirit as we experience a taste of here and now, but in fullness, in his physical presence. You might have experienced something of the presence of God this morning as we've been gathered together, as we've been focused on God, as we've been here with one purpose, but that's just a taste. This writer describes this future moment where Jesus Christ appears in fullness where what began with his life and his death and his resurrection is completed in full. And that because of that, and as part of that, that the children of God will experience a transformation. And so this year, as we're we're talking about transformation and we're thinking about transformation, as we're considering the process of transformation, it's important for us to understand that there is a future transformation waiting for us that there's a future transformation waiting for us. And so what do these broad brush strokes tell us, show us, reveal to us about this future transformation that we can look forward to? Well, the first thing is that our future transformation is in the pattern of Jesus. The author writes, For we shall be like him. And over these last weeks and months, we've been talking about being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We've been talking about having the character of Christ formed in us. But what we look forward to is when that transformation is not just in part, but in full. When we experience not just spiritual and inner transformation, not just uh, intangible transformation in our hearts and our minds, but where we experience a full, complete transformation that includes a physical transformation, an external transformation, a very real kind of transformation. And Paul, the author of a number of the New Testament books when he he picks up his brush and he adds to the painting of this picture of the future when he writes to the church in Philippians. In chapter 3, verse 21, he says, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That this transformation that we look forward to is in the pattern of Jesus, but not just in an inner or a spiritual or internal kind of sense, but in a full and complete, in a physical, in a a very real, in a tangible sense. That's the transformation that we look forward to. Our transformation, our future transformation is in the pattern of Jesus. We shall be like him. And it's through the presence of Jesus. The author says, for we shall see him as he is. I don't know if you've ever ever wondered what that might be like. For we shall see him as he is. Where there is the fullness of of his presence, of which we've only had a taste, of which we've just seen the beginning, where there is a fullness of his presence, both in spirit, like we experience now, and in the, the physical, where we shall see him. Perhaps it's a little bit like the difference between having a relationship with someone when they're away and then when they're present. When someone's away, it's not that there's no communication or no relationship oftentimes with the the wonder of modern technology. There's ways to communicate. You can still talk to them, and they can talk to you, and you can hear their voice and their influence. It can be present in your life, but it's just not the same, is it, as when you're sat in a room with them, when you can see them, when you can look in their eyes face to face, of just that feeling of being near them, of seeing their facial expressions, and their body language, to be physically close to someone. No matter how good we can become with communicating with emojis, it's just not the same, is it, as seeing someone's face actually light up. It's not the same, although you can have that relationship, it's not the same as when they're away to when they're present, physically in the same room. And that's what we look forward to a future transformation that is in the presence of Jesus. Not, not just in the way we experience now, but in a fullness of that, both in spirit and in body. For me, when I look back over my growing up, there's not many memories that I have that don't include the words of one of my favorite music artists. And um, when I look back over, I remember Christmases. Like, he's there. He wasn't actually in the living room. With the Christmas tree. But his lyrics are there and his songs are there and his tune is there and his influence was there somehow. When we went on our summer holidays, there he was. He was present somehow in the cassette or the cartridge. And I never actually saw him face to face, but he was like he was with us. I never saw him face to face until last year. Last... um, autumn i was traveling flying back into manchester airport and i'd been away for over a week from pete and our girls and i'd really missed them and the girls were at school but pete was coming to meet me from the airport and um i was really really tired i'd been traveling for like 24 hours and you know that feeling when you've been traveling for 24 hours and you don't want to see anyone (laughs) because that's how you feel and you know that's how you look and, um, for the last two hours of my flight, I was, um, dreaming of the moment when I'd be reunited with Pete and I was imagining coming through the doors and, um, and like kind of running into his arms and he'd pick me up off my feet, swing me around, he'd get my bag and he'd get, give me some flowers. And, um, I was so looking forward to it cause I knew he'd be okay with the fact that I looked like how I felt. And, um. I got to baggage claim, and the moment was getting closer and closer. And then something totally distracted me. Because this man walked past. And I looked, and I thought, no, it can't be. And then I looked again, and I thought, it is. And I'm notorious for getting famous people muddled up, or not knowing who famous people are. Um, But I knew who this was, because he was on our summer holidays, and he was at our Christmases. And um, he walked past me, and he walked into the toilets. And so I stood outside the toilets. (laughs) And um, at a little bit of a distance... (laughs) And um, I wasn't quite brave enough to speak I knew that But when he came out of the toilets He walked towards where I was stood And I looked him in the eyes And I smiled And he looked me in the eyes And he smiled And um, he then waited for his bag I waited for my bag Other people took photos I, I gave him his dignity I just looked him straight in the eyes And got a smile He smiled at me It wasn't too close to outside the toilets. And then I got my bag and I went through the doors and I ran up to Pete and I said, you'll not believe it. I have just seen Cliff Richard because I did. It's true. And then I said, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Look, 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 he's coming. He's coming. And Pete never saw him. So I could be lying to you, but I'm not. I am not. And I am not saying that Cliff Richard is Jesus, just to be clear. But maybe something of that helps us understand something of what we look forward to. The difference, perhaps, of what we experience of the presence of Jesus now, in part, in spirit, with us. Perhaps you look back over your life and there's not many memories where he's not present, where his voice and his influence isn't there, but it's not the same as what we look forward to. It's not the same as that moment when we will see him as he is, when we will see the risen Jesus face to face, and I, I hope i 'll manage more than a smile <laughs> yeah. but that 's what we look forward to, and the Bible describes that in that moment there will be a transformation that we will be like him. This future transformation that we' look forward to is in the pattern of jesus it 's through the presence of Jesus. And it's part of a much bigger event. It's part of a cosmic event. As we just read that verse from Paul to the church in Philippians, I want to read it again. Because Paul says, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. He will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The transformation that will take place for us is not just about us. It says that he has the power to bring everything under his control. That he has the power to make everything right. To renew and restore and transform everything. So this transformation that we look forward to is part of this cosmic worldwide transformation you see jesus is not just the savior of your soul he's not just the savior of your body but he is the savior of the entire world of all of creation and there's this well-known verse in the bible that you may be familiar with in john chapter 3:16 where it says because god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son And I think sometimes what we hear there is God loved all the people in the world. Yes, that is true, but that God loved everything He made. God loved all of creation. He gave His one and only Son. And so, this transformation that we look forward to is is part of this cosmic, much bigger event. But what does all that mean for us now? What impact does this picture of the future mean for us now? Maybe nothing. Because it's not this picture of infinite detail, is it? It doesn't answer for us all of our questions. It's not a mathematical formula that we can kind of box in and totally figure out and work out. It throws up so many questions, many of which we don't have answers to. So maybe it means nothing for us today. It throws up all these questions. I was, we were, I was talking with our daughters a few months ago about the future that as Christians we can look forward to. And all these things that we see around us that make us sad, that aren't how they should be, they will be made right. And that we can look forward to that when when Jesus comes and when he appears. And for them, their understanding is that Jesus lives in their heart, which I love. And um, and so then they started to try and work out, well, if Jesus is coming, but he's in here, how does he get out? And um, there's, Conversation descended into chaos about all the possible exit routes of the human body. But I feel like there was possibly some learning before we got to that point. But it throws up all these questions what about this? How about that? And so maybe we just dismiss it. Or maybe we should set ourselves the tasks of working it out of analysing it and debating it and uh, discussing it and really trying to work it out, perhaps we should dissect it and that's where we should invest our energy and our focus. Or perhaps we can engage in transformation with the end in mind. Perhaps we can engage here and now with transformation in light of that picture. Perhaps that picture should, perhaps we should allow what we know of that future picture, what we do know, to empower us in the present, to produce change and transformation here and now. See, from what I can see, that seems to be the author of John's letter's conclusion. That seems to be what he thinks. From what I can see, it's not, well, this means nothing for us. Or it's not, let's focus all our energy on debating and dissecting what this means. It, his emphasis seems to be, well, in light of that, there's a, there's a real consequence and a real thing for us to do now. When he says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. All who have this hope that that's what we look forward to get on with it here and now. They begin it here and now. If I could paraphrase it, I would say, All who know it's going to happen in the future, get on with it in the present. Because we look forward in in anticipation to this future transformation. We look forward to that, but not by sitting back and daydreaming of a brighter future but through participating now in what's going to happen then. And by doing that, drawing us all closer to that day, by by doing that, showing people what that looks like, what that's going to be like. Colin G. Cruz, it's a good name, isn't it? It's impressive. Puts it like this, the hope of being like Christ in the future expresses itself in an effort to purify oneself, to be like him in the present. That all who know it's going to happen in the future, get on with it, here and now. I'd like to have words with whoever it was that invented, I don't think it's one of you, so don't worry, who invented the phrase, so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good so heavenly minded you 're of no earthly good, because I think what heaven are you talking about? What future are you looking at and if I could rewrite this i would what I would say is so future minded that you 're of infinite earthly good that this picture of the future that you are aware of that stirs you, that you have a conviction about, produces change and transformation and brings goodness to the earth here and now not so heavenly-minded that we're of no use here and now and we just sit back and wait for something to happen, but that we have such a conviction of, of what we do see of this picture, even though it's a picture not with infinite detail but broad brushstrokes, that it compels us and it empowers us in the here and the now to bring that change and to bring that transformation and to be the beacons of hope. And I, just, I wonder what that could start to look like. I wonder what transformation with the end in mind could start to look like. I wonder how the hope of a resurrection body changes the way that we respond to our health challenges. I wonder when we're in those seasons where perhaps it feels like our body is giving up on us, How does this hope of a resurrection body, of a body that will be transformed to be like his glorious body, how does that sustain us and shape us? How does that help us to bring hope to those who are in that season? You know, I wonder if it's the presence of Jesus in fullness that will transform us yet the presence of Jesus is available here and now. And I wonder what transformation am I missing out on here and now because I busy myself with so much. I wonder what my life would look like if I took 15 minutes every day for the next year to spend time in the presence of Jesus, focused, uninterrupted, undistracted. Because, yes, Jesus is present with us when we're in community, of course. But I wonder if it was just me and the presence of Jesus for 15 minutes every day, where I didn't do so much talking, but where I said, Jesus, will you fill me? Will you transform me? What do you want to say to me? To be in his presence. I wonder what transformation could take place here and now. Through the presence of Jesus? And if this future transformation is for the whole of creation, then how does that impact on the way that me and you treat the environment? What does it mean for how we engage in politics? What about our response to systemic injustice? What does that picture mean for you and me now? Because it's not just about me and my soul, not even just about me and my body, but about this world worldwide transformation that will take place. And that picture is to empower us to begin that here and now. So global poverty. What's my response in light of the fact that that's got no place in that picture? You know, I want us to be so future-minded that we are of infinite earthly good, that we are an unstoppable force of change and hope and transformation and restoration here and now, that people begin to see what that picture looks like because of us engaging in the future here and now, in transformation with the end in mind this is what we look forward to. We look forward to a future of hope. A future when injustice is no more. When the stories that we heard just two weeks ago on this platform from Hope for Justice are no more. And we heard just a few of the 21 million stories. The stories when evil and hatred and violence has had its day. When the things we've seen On the news, the end. No more. When fear no longer rules. That's what we look forward to. And although there are elements of mystery surrounding that picture, there are questions that we may not have answers to until that point. This picture that's a broad brush strokes. We know that we can have a confidence and an assurance and a conviction of this future and this picture because we may not know all the answers but we know the one who holds the future in his hands and we know that he is good and he is true and he is faithful I don't know if you've ever had someone you know say to you I've got a surprise for you and if you're anything like me how I feel about this surprise depends on two things, how well I know that that person and what I know of them, if I know them. And so if my brother says to me, my older brother says to me, I've got a surprise for you. I know him well and I love him and I know he loves me, but I don't want that surprise (laughs) because he's my older brother. And someone I don't know says I've got a surprise for you. I think I don't want that surprise because I don't know you. I don't know if you want to humiliate me or you get this is going to be a trick on me or what's this surprise? I don't want the mystery. But when I know that person and I love that person and I know that they love me and I know their character and I know that they would want that surprise to be a good thing that they would want to do something to bless me whatever that may be then I'm okay with the mystery. And I'm okay with the unknown because I know the one who knows. And although we look forward to this future with some unknown, we can have an assurance and a confidence, because we can know the one who holds the future. And when we discover him, we discover that he is good, and he is true, and he is faithful. And just as I draw to a close this morning, I would love it if we could take a few moments to pause and reflect on what we've heard. And and if I could ask each of you just to close your eyes as we do this. Just take a moment to pause and reflect on this picture that the New Testament paints for us. Not of infinite detail, but with broad brushstrokes. we can have a confidence in that future because we trust in the one who knows, who is in charge of that future, who has all the power and the authority, the one who has the power to bring everything under his control. And we can put our trust and our hope in him. Discover more about us at lifelangs.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.